0: Please open up your Bibles at Malachi chapter 1. Malachi is the last book of your Old Testament. It's right before Matthew. So if you find Matthew, you can find Malachi as well. Malachi chapter 1. And as you turn to Malachi, I would like to uh, answer a question you might have in your head right away. Why are we in the Old Testament when a missionary is preaching, this might be a very good question, because usually when you have a missionary coming to your church, you will find them go to Matthew 28:19 to 20, and stay there, which is wonderful. I love that passage. It reads as follows. I would like to read that to you, because I cannot not read it. <laughs> uh, I still want to go there. Matthew 28, in a second. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen and amen. And this is wonderful. Uh, I would like to encourage you to go everywhere, teach people about who Jesus is, see them baptized, and teach them everything He has commanded. And that second part, teach them everything which He has commanded, is why we are in Malachi chapter 1 today. Because Jesus was very faithful to teach His disciples of all the Scriptures. And when Jesus was teaching... Throughout all the Scriptures, he did not have the Gospel of Matthew. He did not have the Gospel of Mark or John. He did not have the Pauline Epistles, not even close. He would preach them the Old Testament. He would preach them the Word of God. So we are in the Old Testament because we have good warrant to go there, even as New Testament believers. Uh, My favorite passage, which I have Pointed to already in 2 Timothy 3 16 and 17 reads as follows. I, I would like to read it again. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. And all scripture means all scripture. That is simply what it means. So when you open up in any of the scriptures, all of them from Genesis to Revelation, you should find one of the following you should either either find teaching that your knowledge would just grow that you that you understand who you are or who God is you should find reproof that is you realize that you were doing something wrong and now you are and 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 now you you, you, you are changing you should find correction which is not to correct you from doing uh, this is something from wrong but correction in a way is just setting you up right that you are correct in your standing and you and you find that correction in the word of god training in righteousness wow you can find all of these things in the word of god one more reason why we are bold to go to the old testament because we know that it is written for us. When I turn to 1 Corinthians 10, I can read about a bunch of things Israel has went through. From verses 1 to 13, Paul gives a few examples from the wilderness wanderings and encourages the believers to learn from these things, saying, for example, in verse 2, that, let me see, In verse, wait a second. Now these things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And in verse 11, we can read the following. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for us as as an instruction. That was not verse 2. The first one was verse 6, and the other one was verse 11 if you are taking very careful notes, but you don't have to that much. So we are looking at the Old Testament. We are, we are looking at the book of Malachi and we expect to learn because it is written down for our instruction that we might know who God is. We might see him as he is and serve, uh, and serve him well. Even in our title we, we see this know the Lord and serve him well. I had a longer title uh, seeing God and serving him according to what we see in him but that just a mouthful so know the lord serve him well we are going to the old testament we are going to the book of malachi or 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 we can go to any of the minor prophets and we can put this same theme upon it know the lord and serve him well if you want to know the son and if you would like to follow him obediently, you need to know his father and 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 that, this is why we have such a nice thick old testament that, uh, that we might be able to go to it, we might be able to learn from it, not just the bad examples which God has unashamed, unashamedly put before us. He, he, he calls the nation of Israel the apple of His eye. He loves them very much, yet, he, yet He's not ashamed to, to show us their faults. And He is not ashamed to uh, show us how many times they have disobeyed, how many times they have turned against Him how many times they have completely abandoned him and only a remnant was saved. Uh, God is not ashamed of that because he wants us to go look to them and learn and be encouraged and be edified and do all of these things. We have an amazing God who is able to do that. But before we jump into it, I think you are very well trained by Ken when when you open up a new book, he will probably go to the historical background and, and just try to explain and, and help you understand what you're about to read. For the Israelites, it was easy to read all of these things because it was ingrained in their history. So they were able to pick up the book and then just read it. But it is, but it is our diligence and, 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 and it is our task to go back in time and find where we are when we pick up the Bible. Uh, so we would not be misled we would not misunderstand but we would put it in in a good context and and then let it light up and then let it teach us so the historical context is that the people have been in exile already they have returned home under the leadership of the of their lead he was not be able to call the king he was acting like a king his name is uh, zerubbabel and he and he returned home under the and with the help of Ezra and with Nehemiah. In Ezra, we see how they are trying to rebuild a temple, and they stop for a while, and then all of a sudden they are able to complete the temple. and uh, And then everyone is rejoicing, or mostly everyone. There are some people who are crying because they have seen the older temple and they are like, "Oh no, this is such a small temple," and they are crying because it, they are sad. Other people are, are crying because they are so happy. And we even read in Ezra that they were, they were confused what is happening right now. But we see that in Ezra that they have rebuilt the temple of God. And in the book of Nehemiah, we see that they have rebuilt the, the walls around the city of Jerusalem so that people can be a people again. They can be protected. They can grow. They can flourish. They can worship. They can live life in general. Nehemiah had a, had a huge burden. So the Lord was doing awesome things among the people, and not just among them and around them with the walls and with the buildings, but but in their very hearts. The book of Malachi is written in the time frame of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah is gone. Uh, But before Nehemiah goes away, in Nehemiah 8, we read that, that, that the Word of God was once again opened up for the people of God they gather together Nehemiah brings up Ezra the priest they build a podium he preaches he reads people explain because they don't understand the language anymore and they cut to their heart and they stand there all day long and God is doing something amazing through his word people are responding and they are repenting we read that the people were cut to the heart in Nehemiah 8, we read that the sacrificial system was restored, and the people were excited and uh, to be obedient. They've even made official pronouncements about their decision to follow the Lord. They have made a proclamation like, like uh, your, your great. What is it? Declaration. declaration of independence? Thank you, thank you. I was, I was. Uh, <laughs> My, my mind just froze for a second. So they have made the same kind of a thing about this is what we are. This is what we, are. We, the people of Israel, this is what we do. And, and they have signed it that we're going to restore proper worship of Yahweh. And we're going to give thighs. We're going to make sure that, that there's enough wood at the altar that the fire might burn. These are the families who are going to bring it in. And they made plans, and they were rejoicing all together in chapter 10 However, we read in chapter 11 in Nehemiah that, that there is something bad going on. Nehemiah is gone for a period of time. We don't know how much, maybe like two to three years, and because he has to go back home for a home assignment under Artaxerxes, his king in Persia. And then he comes back, and he finds that everything is a mess. People are not worshiping God anymore. Uh, they are turning away from him. Uh, they are they are turning the house of God into a storehouse of their enemy. Uh, so he pulls out some beards and he beats them up. He does some strange things. But in that time when he is gone, we see God speak. He's not leaving his nation alone. And this is the book of Malachi. When people were on fire for the Lord, they were ready to obey him. Uh, they were so uh, happy that things were happening. Uh, but when, when their strong leader is gone, they go down south. But God is not leaving them there, and he's challenging them. He's challenging them. So what we're we going, we going to look at in Malachi chapter 1, we're going to go through the whole passage. So bear with me. This is going to be long, maybe not that long. But, but we're going to go through the whole first chapter. I wish we could go through the entire book because it's amazing. But we're just going to go through the first chapter and we were going to see three ways in which the Lord deal with, deals with His people, and then we talk a little about how we are benefited from uh, from all of this speak speech which is going on between the Lord and His people. The Lord will going to challenge His people; He will going to ask them questions, and the people will respond. And then the people ask some questions. And, and, and we can see from the dialogue which is going on between God and the nation that God is challenging them and the nation continually denies. The nation continually denies, no, we are not like that. No, we are not like that. We are just fine. We are just good. And God is, and God is keep, keep pointing to them. So we're going to see a loving God for his people who are straying and he goes after them. And we're going to talk about it uh, in the mission Mindset in a mission setting because that is what we see in many churches today, both back in Hungary and in here as well. And that is a danger which we ourselves can fall prey to very easily. We are on fire for the Lord, we would like to do good things, but when we turn our eyes off of who He is, off of His amazing grace, His might, His power, then we are very prone to fall into the same thing. So that is enough introduction. That is maybe a little too much. Let's pick up, okay? Malachi chapter 1. Are we going to read from verse 1 to 5, and we're going to stop and explain, and then we're going to continue to read, okay? And we, are, we, and we are going to go through all of Malachi chapter 1. So Malachi chapter 1, verse, verse 1. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. At first, God, is, God calls out to the nation and reminds them of His love for them. That is our first... Uh, Bullet point, if, if you are if you're an outline person. God loves His people. Here is how their discussion goes. God says, I love you. I have loved you. And the people say, no, you have not. How have you loved us? They respond, implied, no, you did not. And God says, look at your history. Take out your books and look at your neighbor." who is just as bad as you are, yet you live and are rebuilt, but they, are, but they will never be rebuilt. And God continues, you can sure count on these things, and when they will happen, you will glorify me just as I ought to be glorified. The people were very quick to respond to God's affirmation of love for them. I have loved you, says the Lord, and then they say, how have you loved us? How have you loved us? God, you did not really love us. God, look around. Don't you see our small temple? Don't you see our small little wall? Don't you see that we we are without our governor? Nehemiah was here. He was awesome, but he's gone. Don't you see our enemies, How, how many there are, and and uh, how small of a people we are? Don't you see that more than 80% of us remained in the land of exile where they could have come back? Don't you see all these things, God? How can you say you loved us? How can you say you loved us when, when, when we are not who we are supposed to be? We are not a mighty and great nation. We are not restored to our full capacity. We are, not, we are not inhabiting the land which you have promised us to inhabit. We do not even have a king rightfully over us. Uh, we do not have a Messiah. We do not have you back here with us. God, how can you say you love us? And what God does to them is, is he just opens their eyes to his amazing, much less grace by pointing to their neighbor, by pointing to Edom. Edom is the uh, offspring of Esau And that's why God is saying, look, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Don't you see how much I love you? Don't you see my particular grace for you being poured out? Don't you see that you are restored? Don't you see that your neighbor will never be restored? Don't you see my continued grace being poured out to you? And how do we look at all of that? Uh, How do we understand God in light of what he does with his nation. Remember, this is written down for our instruction. In a sense, to put it in a very simple way, what God is doing in the first place as he tries to restore worship is that he points to his love. And his love is felt every time you take your right hand and you put it over here. When you feel that your heart is beating, you know that God is gracious. When you feel that your heart is beating, you know that, that God is merciful and He's loving. And why do I say that? Because you are just as bad as your neighbor. And you are just as bad as, as a person who is going to die today in this community. Uh, at every heartbeat of yours uh, someone is dropping down dead not in this community but in the, but in, but in the entire world it's, it's insane to look at the numbers how people die and, and, uh, and how people are, 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 are being born but for whatever reason and not just for whatever reason for God's grace and for God's mercy your heart is still beating his picture of Edom and of Israel is, is, is amazing it's amazing Edom and Israel were just as bad. And, then, and the enemy army came. They destroyed both of them. But yet there is mercy poured out on one, and there is mercy withheld from the other. God loves you. Your heart is beating, even though you know that you're a sinner and you deserve death. Uh, you read Romans chapter 1, and you find out that all of these things, I, I used to be, yet God did not kill me. Though I knew that the things I do deserve death, God was still gracious and merciful to me. God loves you. He's worthy of your worship. But not only that, but God is uh, not satisfied with just pointing out His mercy and, and uh, gently calling you to please respond to my love for you. You know that I love you if you honestly assess yourself in light of my word. You know that you're still alive. You're not dropping down dead. And that is just because I love you. But he's, not, but, but he's not stopping there. God, we're going to call out the nation and remind them of their improper response to his love. You see, God is pouring out his love continually towards you and towards your friends and neighbors, believers and unbelievers alike. Until their heart is beating, God is actively pursuing them. God is actively loving them. But people... Tend to have an improper response to God's love. Let's pick up our Bibles and read again from verse 6 to verse 10. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest who despise my name. But you say... How have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar? By you say, How have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you, will he accept you or, 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 show fa- or or show you favor? says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us, which with such a gift from your hand, will he show you favor? Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Again, as we try to understand the discussion going on between God and with His nation, let us simplify it by saying, God is talking to His people saying, I am a father, I am a Master. you should fear me and honor me, yet you despise my name. People respond, no, we, we do not despise your name. How have we despised? Again, implied, no, we, we are loving you. We are worshiping you. We are serving you. God points them out. You, you, you offer polluted food on my altar. You bring me things which are despised. And people again respond, No, we don't. What are you talking about? How? And God pulls back the curtain and, and He reveals them that He knows exactly what, what they are doing. He knows exactly their heart. He, he, he tells them, You're offering, you're offering the blind." the lame and the sick animals. Try to give that to your governor as a gift. Will he take it? No, he will not. And then he has some very strong words for them. Oh, that one were were among you who would shut the doors. God is saying, don't even come to my temple. Don't even sacrifice. I have no pleasure in you. I will not accept your offerings. Quite hard words, very hard words for the people who have just rebuilt the temple a few years ago maybe not that few maybe 70, 80 years depends on, on, uh, uh, on uh, how you count but they have a temple they have fire burning there and they're bringing food they are, they are, they're, they're, they're bringing in their sacrifices how can God speak to them like that when they are going to church every Sunday uh, when they are giving in the 10% How how can God speak to them like that? They were going up the temple every appointed time. They offered up their animals. They were at church every Sunday, kind of a people, but they did not trick the Lord. Their hearts were far from Him. The Lord saw right through them and condemned their hypocritical worship. He saw the blind and the sick animals, all the leftovers, what they didn't need anymore. He saw that the people had more respect for their earthly rulers than for him. As we look at the people and their hearts, and as we uh, examine their context of worship and what God required, we 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 we, we, re- we very quickly see you know, people who were who were happy to form their own religion, their own way of worship, who who, who were who were thinking of God in very, very lowly terms. They did not view him as a mighty king. They did not view him even uh, as a ruler over them. They did not regard him as much as they would regard their earthly governor. They thought that God doesn't see. They had a very low view of God. But they still kind of worshipped him. They uh, still thought, well, it is good for us to be together. It is good for us to go to church. It is good for us to say that I'm a Yahweh believer uh, but they were very very far from him what is the heart of the people and what is your heart towards God when we read this about people when we read God speaking so harshly with them uh, do you recognize yourself or if not and praise be to God if not, if your heart is on fire for him. And, and, and you are pleased to give him beyond your capabilities. Like we read about the church in, in Philippi and in Macedonia, who from their poverty, they're welled up and, and, and they give to the Lord and, and to his work. Uh, way beyond what they could bear. And God has blessed them in that. If you are at that point, if you are nothing like the Israelites, praise be to God. But I would like to bring this in front of you that it is possible for us to get used to this. It is possible for us to get used to just coming and doing our thing. And it is possible for us to lose sight of the God who sees. God saw them right where they were. He saw their hearts and they saw their view of him. They were not regarding him as much as their governor. Do you tend to bring to the Lord what you don't need anymore? Do you recognize him as Lord of hosts? Do you fear him more than you fear your earthly authorities? Uh, Do you give him your time, your energy, uh, your everything? Or let him have uh, two hours in Sunday morning? And I know you probably are not there because you're a very small church friend and everyone knows one another. And then uh, and, and you are excited to do good things for the Lord and keep it up. But as you grow, continue in that work, please, okay? Continue in that work. And the Lord is not done. And when he, when he points out fault, um, again, he, he, he showcases his love for the people. When he speaks harsh, when he uses these hard, word, uh, hard words, please shut the doors, he's again very, very, very merciful. So a quick application point with that as well is to don't be afraid to speak harsh words. Don't be afraid to call sin, sin. Don't be afraid to point out to people that you know there is a God and you're offending him again and again. Don't be afraid to go to your believing friends and, 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 and help them understand that, that you know God is real and he's really big and he's really powerful and he demands your worship and you, and you are treating him as a pet you are treating him as your jinn to whom you pay homage to and you, res- and, 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 and you expect him to respond with grace and favor God is not like that so don't be afraid to call out sin and don't be afraid to call out even harsh words. God is doing the same thing. He's setting a good example for us. But more than that, the Lord calls out to His nation and corrects their worship by showing them a magnificent picture of Himself. And this is where, Nehemiah, where Malachi chapter 1 will, will leave us with. And this is what I would like to leave you with as well. God... Is awesome. God is a mighty king. He has created everything you see. He has created you. He loved you. He reached out to you. He pointed out your faults. Uh, he was ten, he, he was careful enough to put his finger on the soft spot and let you know that your that, that your worship or your ideas of him when when you were an unbeliever was false. And he draw and and, and he was careful to draw him draw you to himself, and now he's not willing to leave you there. But, he, but he's encouraging to continually, continually look, look, look to him, to continually observe who he is and align your worship to that reality. Read with me, please, from verse 11. For from the rising of the sun to his setting, my name is great among the nations. And in every place incense will be offered or is offered to my name and the pure offering. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. And you say, what a weariness it is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what was... What has been taken by violence, or is lame or sick, and this you bring as an offering? Shall I accept that from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is, is feared among the nations. The, the dialogue between God and the nation, switches to a monologue. A monologue. Forgive my accent. Uh, God, is, God, is, God is pressing down. Uh, he has already put his finger in a soft spot and now he is, he is just ingraining his finger in that. He is just sinking it in deep. He lets the people know that, that my name even though it is awesome and is feared among the nations, you are despising it. You think that you can, you can give half, half-heartedly. You think that you can come and play church or play worship, and, and, and I'd be happy with it. I'm not. Please be ashamed and just look around. And in the time of Nehemiah, just in the time frame of the book of Esther, uh, there, and, and, and and what happened before Esther with the time of Daniel, where God has showed his great and mighty awesome power among the nations, where the rulers of those kingdoms proclaimed that everyone should fear the God of Daniel, who was rescued from the lion's den. And beforehand, everyone should fear the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom God has rescued from the fire. When edict went out to all the world. You might have other gods, but you, but you better make sure that you fear the name of the Lord. Pagan kings were declaring to the world, fear God, fear Yahweh, not just your own own little idol, but make sure you fear Yahweh. In the time of Esther, just before this as well, when, when the Jews were about to be destroyed, and then, and, and then God worked in an amazing way to rescue his people. And and we see when the, when, the, when the edict goes out that the nation of Israel can defend itself, people were terrified because they knew who their God is. When Haman's wife, in that same time frame, when she heard that Mordecai is a Jew, she recognized as a pagan that, Haman, you are done for. If he is of Jewish heritage, you have no chance against him because he has a God. And his God is amazing. And we read these words here. Your ESV translation, if you're using that, might put it in a future tense. The Hebrew is can be translated in, in, in both ways. You can either say, that God is, God, is, God is opening up the eyes of the people to the surroundings saying that my name will be feared in the future or m- most likely my, f- my name is feared among the nations right now. He's is, he is helping the people understand that, look, I am awesome. Even if you don't recognize it, I am a king over all the nations. My name is mighty and people fear me And you here in my temple offer me sacrifices which you would would not even dare to bring to your earthly ruler. Will he accept that from your hand? No, he will not. Why is God speaking so harsh? Why is he telling them to shut the doors? Why is he trying to prohibit them from worshiping him? Because the nations who do not even know him Who do not even have the Bible in their hands, only in their native tongue, when they recognize that there is a God beyond all gods and they try to worship Him in their own way. In God's eyes, that is even better than if someone who knows who God is, who has the scriptures, despises Him. What do we do about this? First, we praise God. He's awesome, He's mighty. He rules over the nations. He calls himself the Lord of Hosts. Many times, a great king, a Lord of Hosts, whose name is feared among the nations. And and as you look at him, and as you and as you uh, test your own heart before him, uh, I, I would highly highly encourage you. To, uh, to continually build a high view of God in your lives uh, to continue to uh, uh, go back to this reality that God is a God of, of this entire world that, that God is a God of hosts a God of the nations a God who, who is supposed to be feared or will be feared uh, when he comes back that is my God He's a mighty God He's a mighty king. And I should look at him that way. And then that should drive me to pour over his word. If a king speaks, if your president speaks, whether you like it or not, uh, you, you will obey. If the policeman speaks, um, you, have, uh, you will obey. Or, or you don't, and you will have consequences. Uh, when the judge speaks in the courtroom, you better humble yourself and show your best demeanor that he might not sentence you to ten years but only five. When the, when the, God, when the God of gods, the king of kings, the mighty God speaks, pay careful attention to it. And only if the nation of Israel would have recognized that the Lord of hosts, whose name should be feared among the nations, have spoken, and I can understand Him if they would have just read the book of Leviticus, and they would have done things in the way God prescribed, and they would have read the book of Deuteronomy, and they would see how how God has been faithful to His promises and curses to them, then all of this discussion would have not had to take place. Uh, Because the knowledge of the Lord as a great and awesome king would have set their hearts right, would have, uh, would have set their minds right. And I would like to encourage you with that. Know the Lord. Read His Word. Understand His, His, His jealousy for His own name's sake and worship Him accordingly and encourage people in the same vein. Pour over His Word over and over again get to know this book get to know your God and worship him so when he comes or when you go to him and you might be able to stand before him with joy and he might be able to say to you well done good and faithful servant and that amazing awesome king whom you see better and better day by day uh, is the same and awesome king what the nations need as well So when we talk about missions again, uh, we see that the day is coming if we take the future tense when all the nations will going to worship Him. Uh, Let's see more of the nations worship Him uh, because He's worthy. He's worthy. Great and awesome King we have. So let's pray. And we are going to sing, I think, uh, one more song after that. But as we pray and as we sing, and as you come back next week and the week after that, as you are home opening up your text and diving in to learn about your awesome God, keep these things in mind, that you do have an awesome God to serve, that you do have an awesome King to serve, and He deserves you. He deserves me as well. That's why we are going home. Uh, He deserves my time, my life, my energy, my kids, my everything. And He deserves just as much of you. Uh, So give it to Him. Give it to Him. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we need You. Oh, how much we need to see You. We need to see You high and lifted up. We need to see You as a God who sees A God who knows our hearts and when we give and when we don't. Who knows our attitude. Who knows our our everything. Oh, please help us to see you as you are. Please help us to know you as you ought to be known. That our hearts might continually transform. That our ways might continually be amended to your ways. That when you speak, We might tremble at your word, that we might know you, that we might love you, and we might serve you. Uh, Please help us not to despise your name. Please help us to worship in truth and in spirit that you might not say harsh words to us like, please shut the doors because I hate your worship, but you might take delight in the songs of your children, that you might take delight in the time and the energy which we offer up to you. You are worthy of it all. Please help us to do that, and please help us in our efforts to open up the eyes of the unbelieving world around us, that they might see you, that they might recognize your love for them, that you are still loving them even to this day, when their hearts are beating, though they are rebellious enemies of yours. Please help us, O oh God, in everything we do, that our words, my action, uh, our, our actions, are everything might be glorifying to you. You are worthy of it all. Thank you so much for this time. May you use your word to continually encourage us throughout the day, throughout the week. Amen.